Welcome to Folk Roots Radio. I'm Jan Hall. All the best in Folk Roots Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now, coming up on this episode, we've got another very special episode to bring you as we give over the whole of the hour to a conversation with Bill Garrett. Now, Bill Garrett has been involved in the music business for over 40 years. Starting out as a singer-songwriter, Bill went on to work at the CBC for 18 years before going on to start the wonderful boutique folk music label Borealis Records with fellow musicians Britt Laskin, Paul Mills and Ken Whiteley. Bill Garrett sat down with Folk Roots Radio at the 2019 Folk Music Ontario Conference for an in-depth conversation about his career in music. And Bill is also part of a wonderful folk duo with partner Sulothrop. From their fabulous 2003 album Red Shoes, this is Bill Garrett and Sue Lothrop with the title track. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. small 
her spirit rare She says I must go on She could just go back again She'd wear red shoes She could stand up tall like you That's what she would do Just what she That's Bill Garrett and Sue Lothrop with the title track from their 2003 album, Red Shoes. Now, that album was one of my favorite albums of that year. It came out on the wonderful Borealis Records label. Uh-huh. Bill Garrett is one of the people behind Borealis Records. He's also mm-hmm. been involved in the music business for many years, both as a performer, songwriter, producer, mm-hmm. also worked at the CBC He's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio at the Folk Music Ontario Conference today. It's great to have you join us, Bill. Great to be here. Great to be here. Well, you know, you're one of the people I've always wanted to talk to because you have obviously been around the folk scene in Canada. For eons. (laughs) For many years. And it's actually kind of nice to actually be able to to talk about your career. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to chatting a bit about Borealis Records because I I love what Borealis Mm -hmm. has been doing since its inception. But I think what I'd like to do is, is start the interview by talking about your life in music and how you got started as a musician, and dare I say, all those many years ago. Uh, well, it, it actually started when I was a kid, and I was out of school for a year with a, with a kidney disease, which happily was cured. But uh, I was actually out of school for the year, and an uncle of mine gave me a guitar because I wanted a guitar. I was 11 years old. And he gave me this guitar, and it was tuned, uh, guitarists will appreciate this, it was tuned in an open tuning, so that it was the, when you strummed it, you got a chord r- right away. And I learned actually how to play it, a, a bunch of uh, chords that way. And then one day, having gone to Montreal to uh, have a checkup, I went to a music store and got this Nick Maniloff's method of playing the guitar and realized it was tuned all wrong, and I had to start all over again. But I was at home for the year, and I... I was passionate about it and learned how to play from there. And that led to high school folk groups, a high school rock band as well. And um, and I really kind of got into it when I moved to Ottawa to go to college. And there was a very thriving music scene in Ottawa at the time. And uh, just started playing with all sorts of people and uh, got my chops together, as it were. So did you decide, I mean... You know, you worked at CBC for many years, but mm. was it your intent when you went away to school that maybe you would be involved in music and media for? for I, th- the I think the career? the longer I was in Ottawa, the the more apparent it became to me that I really wanted to play music. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And I left college after a couple of years to do exactly that, and joined the musicians' union and was working with another fellow, and we immediately just started. We went out on the road. We we started playing playing gigs, and that led to. Uh, um, also playing as a backup guitarist for some other songwriters and spent a year in New York City 
playing with other song or backing other songwriters up there and um, college tours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so different combinations of, of uh, playing with a partner and or playing solo or playing as a guitarist and ultimately uh, landed me in Toronto in the mid-70s and um, where I was teaching as well. I was teaching guitar and I met Paul Mills uh, who had just been at the CBC for a couple of years at that point and he was doing a folk show with Sylvia Tyson called Touch the Earth. And uh, we met at a folk festival on a guitar workshop and we hit it off guitar-wise as well as friends and have been friends ever since. And at one point he said, you know, we want to create this part of the show that features Canadian songwriters. Would you be interested in doing it? And I thought, why not? <laughs> I'll give it a shot, you know. And so uh, I never forget that. I think the first, the first interviews I did, and they, we did them at the same time when we first started, was Willie P. Bennett and Stan Rogers. And there I had the two of them in the studio with me, and I was... The idea was that I would back them up on a tune, and then in between backing them up, I would then interview them, and that was incredibly hard, I, mu I must say. And um, and I convinced Paul, I think after a year, that I actually took people into the studio, did a session with them, and then did the interview after the post post the, the session and put that together, and that really started me on the uh, the whole career of a producer uh, at CBC because I learned how to edit, learned how to interview, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and. Uh, and I stayed at the CBC long after that show uh, was gone and um, produced a number of other shows and, and produced a ton of music back in the days when the CBC had music budgets. And, Which uh, is exactly what Paul Mills said when I talked to him last year. He said exactly, almost exactly well, the I, same thing. Well, I, yeah. I really, I really say, he moved from the department we were in to a drama department, yeah. and I basically took over what he was doing. And yeah. so we sort of, kitty, or I sort of, what's the term, uh, Kitty backed. I was going to say yeah. Kitty backed, but you know, uh, uh, after him, and um, and yeah, we've just been musical buddies, production buddies for years now, and uh, so yeah, so yeah, I ended up spending at the CBC for almost twenty years. So with your own music, you were continuing to do that at the same time. Yeah, I mean, not as much as I had been because up to that point, I'd been playing full time, and I was touring, and you know, you can't, you can't hold down a job at the CBC and tour. That, yeah. that was out of the question. But I would play it on weekends and play coffee houses and festivals. I think I played every festival in the country at one point or another with Paul or without Paul, but a lot of them with Paul and early Winnipeg folk festivals for a number of years. And um, So yeah, I, I kept playing. So okay. what was it like in those days? I mean, as a, as a scene and, you know, you know, you know, traveling musicians. I mean, well, it was pretty exciting in uh, in one on one hand because it was we were seeing the emergence of Canadian songwriters. You know, we'd had the examples of of Ian and Sylvia Tyson, Lightfoot, and Joni Mitchell to some degree. They were they had become established by the mid seventies, but people like Ian Tamblin, Connie Calder. Uh, you know, uh, that ilk, or that generation, were just emerging. So in terms of interviewing those people and getting to know those people, uh, that's kind of the generation that I came up with, you know. Uh, and it was exciting because I, all of a sudden we were starting to get these great songwriters, Ron Hines, you know, um, Stan Rogers. And um, yeah, so it was, it was exciting because there weren't as many songwriters as there are now. And it seems, without putting too fine a point on it, 
uh, it seems that people worked a lot harder on their music to finally craft the songs because you I go back and listen to some of the songs that were written and they hold up really well you know and um, so yeah it was the emergence of a it really was the emergence of Canadian singer songwriters through the 70s in a, in a big way and and a lot of those people were making their mark outside of Canada as well well I guess it's also that must have been the fact that you know in, in those days I mean if you wanted to record an album you had to go to a studio or someone that had the wherewithal to to be able to record it. It was you. a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Which a, means was, you would spend a whole lot more time on a song because I, I agree with you. Yeah. One of the things sometimes I get frustrated with, yeah. and I haven't been doing this that long at all. But yeah. you know, as I get sent music that I feel like should have been road tested a bit more before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody tried to record it. Well, I think that's that's absolutely true, and I think the term road tested is is apropos because. Um, those people did road test their songs. I mean, they, they played more live gigs, and I can't really account for it because, in some respects, there are more gigs out there today than there were in the in the seventies. But people made the space and time to get out and find those those gigs. They took more chances going out on on the road, and and they did. They, those songs got road tested in front of audiences. And fine-tuned, you know, people right. would rewrite a verse or, or, or a word or something. And and so by the time you got to the studio, they were ready. They, they, were, they were pretty much ready. And you had to make sure they were ready because the studios cost more than, than they do now. Right. And uh, uh, like a lot more, given the difference of the dollar, you know, of 30 years or so. So people, yeah, you really... You really wanted to be prepared when you went into the studio. Yeah, so I guess all the way down the line, you, you wanted to make sure that you'd you know spent time playing the songs. You know, as you say, mm-hmm. tweaking them if a, you needed to change a verse or you know yeah. you know change the the, the arrangement. Those yeah. are things you would have to do. But then you also had to find somebody who you know had the time, and space, and ability. Right. To, right. To do what you needed. Well, it was also, um, you know, uh, along with the musicians, it was also a period where some of the studios that we now know were just starting to get established too. For instance, uh, Bob and Danny Lanois were just getting their studio going in Hamilton, coincidental with the period I'm I'm talking about. And um, both my own album and many other albums of Willie P. Bennett and Dave Essig, et cetera, et cetera, we were all recording at Grand Avenue in Hamilton, and um, uh, because uh, they made it affordable for us, they were kind of part of our scene, and uh, and uh, uh, and so and it was a friendly place to work, and it was professional, you know. It was, uh, and and there were other studios like that here and there around the the, the country, and um, and so yeah, there was there was a whole growth in in the music scene, generally speaking. So you, you were you grew up in Montreal. How were things in Montreal? Well, actually, I grew up in a small town in Quebec, um, not very far from Ottawa. But I moved to Montreal post college and sort of based myself out of Montreal when I was playing music. I was mostly on the road, but um, but I was living there. And the scene in Montreal was uh, there was two uh, f- two and three full time coffee houses that ran music. Um, no, I'm talking about English coffee houses at this point. But uh, there are two or three English coffee houses that were running music six to seven nights a week. 
in the case of a couple of them, they would run kind of local acts, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then whoever was on a circuit or touring would play Thursday through Saturday, and Sunday night would be open stage or hootenanny night. Mm. Uh, that was a pretty typical. And they were bustling. They were, uh, they, they were bustling. Montreal was was then and to some degree still is a city that's affordable to live in. And so uh, a lot of people migrated there. And then, of course, we had, um, we had the draft in the States happen, and people like Jesse Winchester came through and, and located there. And he became part of our music scene in, in Montreal. And there were others that uh, came up from New York. And there was quite a um, quite a vital link between Montreal and New York at, at that point. So, and you would sort of halfway down, you might stop at Cafe Lena mm. in Saratoga Springs, and then make, make your way down to the city. You know, from from there. So, people like the McGarrigals used that circuit a lot. They back and forth, and and a lot of us did actually. We started off with the Red Shoes, mm-hmm. the title track from that album. Now it's funny because when I first picked that album up, I just loved it. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the way that you and Sue sang together, it was just mm-hmm. the, the mix of songs. Tell us a little bit about the, the production of that one. Well, uh, I, I, in terms of Sue and I singing together, uh, she's the master singer of the, of the two of us, and, and she knows how to blend really well. She, she could sing with other people, on, and, and she knows how to, how to get that vocal blend, not just be in tune or in, you know, on a harmony, but, but actually blend, blend vocals. So I think, I think that's always been one of the, the great things I enjoy about singing with her. Um, my experience at the point we did that, I'd produced quite a number of albums, so I had a pretty good idea before we went in what we were going to do, and I knew what musicians I wanted to work with. So it, the actual recording wasn't that difficult, uh, really. We, we, the tunes had been rehearsed, and then they, there were three or four studio musicians from Toronto that we'd written charts for, and they're so good that they could, you know, they just play them and you go, yeah, just like that, <laughs> you know. So, um, so yeah, the the production was. Uh, I, I ended up. Doing, we were. We were living in Montreal, and the reason we did it in Toronto is because I had been in Toronto for a number of years up until that point, and I knew a lot of the players, and I knew the studio we were going into, and so that's why uh, we recorded there. Now I work in Montreal. Um, I work with a wonderful engineer in Montreal to, to mix mostly, although I'll record people wherever, wherever they, where they want to be. Now, that wasn't your first album. How many albums had you made when you... Uh, I had done uh, two albums before that. One in the aforementioned Grand Avenue Studios in, in Hamilton, which Danny Lanois engineered and Paul Mills produced. And another one uh, actually at Paul's studio when Paul was still in Toronto. And uh, those were sort of solo, solo albums. And then The Red Shoes with Sue. Yeah, so those are the ones that you know with my name on them. I'm I'm on a few others as a guitar yeah. player, but or as a producer. But yeah. so the Bill Garrett album was that 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 was recorded at Grand Avenue. So that was that was that the first album. Yeah, first full one. I I think I'd done a there, the CBC had something back in the '70s called broadcast recordings, and I was on one of those. But uh, but this was the first commercially uh, released album that I did. Yeah, I'd like to play something from the Bill Garrett album. Mm-hmm. So. 
that was from sessions from 1979, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, you've selected the North Shore Train. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about that song. I think that's a song that's still pretty dear to your heart. Well, I still like playing it, and audiences like it because it's kind of like uh, rambunctious and fast. But it's uh, it's really the story of uh, the small town I grew up in. There were train tracks about a uh, 200 yards behind our house, and um, uh, the story is 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 that. At night, uh, I could hear trains coming from a great distance away because it's in the country. You know, there was nothing else going on, and uh, I used to get bus to school about 18 miles to school. And I knew where all of the the railway tracks paralleled the highway, and I knew where all those level crossings were, and I could tell where the train was by how distant the hoot of the whistle was, right? And of course, then it would come rumbling through through town. At, 12 o'clock at midnight or something like that. Anyway, that was just my memories of, of trains as, as a kid, and, and um, that's where it comes from. Let's listen to that just now. This is Bill Garrett with North Shore Train from his 1979 self-titled album, uh, and it's still on Borealis, I think, now available on Borealis. Yeah, we put it out as a CD on Borealis. Yeah, which yeah. from 2015. Yeah, right, right. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Well, years ago, when we were kids, we'd run to the top of the hill. Ten miles away, you'd hear that whistle blow. And we'd run down to the station, well, it looks like to be on time. To dig on the water and stoke up on some coal. Well, as she gathers up steam and picks up the mail, keeps the crossing bell ringing and the hobbles at her jail. She's a one-mile-long six-wheeler with the news. You know, there's white clouds blowing, just watch her pull and strain. Half a mile later, she's a cannonball train. Just the kind of sight to make you lose your blues. And here's Ron Dan. Now the clock on the wall says 10, 14, six minutes left to go. Let's throw some stones at the CN boxcar door And there's echoes around the station Of a telegraph keeping time To a far off distant hand who knows the score Well as she gathers up steam and picks up the mail Keeps the crossing bell ringing and the hobbles of her jail She's a one mile long six-wheeler with the news You notice white clouds blowing just watch her pull and strain A half a mile later she's a cannonball train It's the kind of sight to make you lose your blues Come on David Essex Back home to see some friends I know And I walk down to the depot I don't know why And there's rust on the rails And the spiders took over Where the clock hands used to turn And I thought I heard a ghost rain whistle cry Well as she gathers up steam And picks up the mail Keeps the crossing bell ringing And the hobos utter do She's a one mile long six-wheeler with the news There's white clouds blowing Just watch her pulling train Half a mile later she's a cannonball train Just the kind of sight to make you lose your blues Take it on home.
Hi there, we're over the moon. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Bill Garrett with North Shore Train from his 1979 self-titled album. Bill Garrett's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. We're sitting down at the Folk Music Ontario conference. It's actually Saturday. I always get confused when I come to the conference. I've done these interviews for so many years now and I will say... I can't remember which day it is, but I feel like I've been here several weeks. That's right. <laughs> but it's only That's because you've been up so late every night. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's always great to, to sit down and, and talk to people about what they do and why they do it. Bill's been making music for, uh, dare I say, 40, 50 years now? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Now mostly involved with Borealis Records, but still... Uh, you still play a bit of music, don't you, Bill? Mm-hmm. I still still play, still play with with my wife Sue, and uh, and over the last year or so, I've started uh, doing more production work, uh, which is something I used to do a lot of, and uh, and it was, I could just hear it, it was kind of calling me again that I, I wanted to get back into the studio and and work with other musicians. And uh, it turned out the, the sort of the first one that brought me back again, and this is this goes back to my connection with Paul again, Paul Mills, is because Paul had decided to sort of retire as a producer and, and stop producing from his house in London. And a duo, naming the twins from Nova Scotia, had called Paul to do an album, and he said, "I'm not doing it, but call Bill." And so that's got me kind of going. And then uh, Shelley Posen was the the next uh, project. And Shelley is, is somebody that I've I've always really uh, loved his music, and and uh, that's just just finished. And and now I'm just finishing up another album with a blues band called the uh, Durham County Poets. Oh, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. I love the Durham County Poets. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just it's been pressed as we speak. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. They're they're a fabulous live band, and they're a great band. Yeah. 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 They're, they're and very great. tight, and and you know a lot of flavors. A lot of flavors, and this particular album that we—they wanted to do a, a more blues-focused album—and I said, "Great, let's let's go for it." And uh, I really feel like uh, we really got Kevin's vocal this this time because he's such a great singer, yeah. and he's such a natural singer. You know, yeah. you could ask him to do the same vocal take three times, and he'd give it to you three different ways, and they'd all be great. He's just—he's—he's he's so good. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to getting that thing out. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to being able to, to chat with Kevin and yeah. the rest of the band about yeah. it. Because, you know, they do put on a great show. They do. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they, they do. And they're hardworking. They're, they're, they're on the road a lot. They're out there. So you mentioned Shelley Posen's name. Mm-hmm. Shelley Posen wrote the song No More Fish that I think it's a, one of the songs that you're associated with. I know it's on the Red Shoes album. It's on the Red Shoes album. And I, I had learned it before we recorded around the time we recorded Red Shoes. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of his band, Finest Kind. And, um, and I've known Shelley forever. And, and, uh, and we finally, we got to do this, this album together, his uh, Ontario Moon album. And it's, uh, it was great fun because Shelley is a consummate songwriter. And he'll write in different styles. He went. He went stick to say a British Isles melody style or melodic style. He, he'll he'll do a swing style or he'll do something from an early rock and roll or, or whatever. And it really we really kind of got to expand on on some of the the songs. And uh, so it was really great fun working with him. Yeah, he's a great songwriter. So tell us about No More Fish. Tell us what, is, what do you love about that song? 
What I love about the song is uh, probably stems from my love of Newfoundland and uh, and my love of Newfoundlanders, um, who are just the most wonderful people in this country, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, they've been hit so hard by the uh, depletion of the cod fishery, and that's really what the song is is all about. You know, is is that the trawlers from Europe came over and basically trawled, you know took the bottom of the, the ocean out and, and all the cod and everything else with them. And uh, I, I think it's making a bit of a comeback, but it's not back where it was. And But a lot of people lost their livelihood. And uh, and that's what the song is about. It's the, the depletion of the cod fishery. Well, let's listen to your version of No More Fish, which is on the wonderful 2003 album Red Shoes. This is Bill Garrett with Sue Lothrop and No More Fish. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Out along the harbor reach, boats stand right up on the beach. Most like in the early dawn. Empty now, the fish are gone What will become of people now? Try to build a life somehow Hard, hard times are back again No more fish, no fishermen No more shoppers in the stores since the fish plant closed its doors Men who walked to trawler's decks Now line up for welfare checks There's big for sale signs everywhere Pockets empty, cupboards bare See it on the news at ten No more fish, no fishermen Once from Ship Cove to Cape Race Port of Basque to Harbor Grace Newfoundlanders fished for cod Owen oh, merchants trust in God They filled their dories twice a day Fished their poor sweet lives away They could not imagine them no more fish, no fishermen Before the Second War We could catch our fish in shore Boats were small and gear was rough We caught fish but left enough And now there's no more fish because The trawler fleets took all there was 
We could see it coming and no more fish, no fishermen. Farewell now to stage and flake. Get out for the children's sake. Leave all friends and kin behind. Take whatever job you find. There's some that say things aren't so black. They say the fish will all come back We'll be here to catch them then No more fish, no fishermen We'll be here to catch them then No more fish, no fishermen That's Bill Garrett and Sue Lothrop mm. with No More Fish from the wonderful 2003 album Red Shoes. Bill Garrett is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today at the Folk Music Ontario Conference, uh, chatting a little bit about his life in music and a career that just seemed, you know, you mentioned before the break, Bill, the fact that, you know, you're doing more production now, but mm-hmm. your career really changed a little bit when Borealis Records started, didn't it? Well, it changed completely. <laughs> I'd been working for CBC Radio for almost 20 years, and uh, and it had come to a point where my position was a quote-unquote executive producer, which mostly meant that I wasn't really producing, I was managing people. And uh, it was the period where the CBC was starting to come up with more and more cuts, and uh, it was getting rather depressing writing cut scenarios. And uh, it coincided with Grit calling me up one day, out of the blue, and uh, saying, I'm thinking of starting a record label. What do you think? And I said, sounds right to me. And, uh, and that was my cue to, to leave the CBC. We spent a year. Uh, the original partners were uh, Grit, myself, Paul Mills, and Ken Whiteley. And we spent a year of almost weekly meetings discussing what we wanted out of a record label. And we boiled it down to what we thought was an artist-friendly record label, primarily where we would be licensing albums from people, not owning them. And we would not be taking publishing rights, unless by our own sweat, we went out and were able to wangle some sort of a publishing deal on a song or something like that, in which case we could take 50%. But otherwise, the rights to the songs were the artists. And and, uh, and of course, we were all artists ourselves, so it, was, it wasn't hard coming up with that, that uh, formula. So, uh, yeah, so we, we kicked it off in 1996, and uh, I couldn't have asked for a worse time to, as the CDs were starting to go to style, but it, it started to work. And the one thing that I have to say that we changed somewhere al- along the line is when we first started, we could afford to have uh, some artists who weren't touring. We could actually afford to have sort of legacy kind of uh, music and artists, uh, which we believed in. And, and, and those people, those artists are still available on, on the label. But at a certain point, we couldn't sign people that weren't touring because unfortunately, touring sells CDs. And, uh, and when the CD shops started closing up and you know, the chains and especially in, in the States, with the uh, with borders and the, those sorts of chains that were closing, 
the only way, certainly for a few years, the only way you, you would generate any income from CDs were from live sales at, at, at gigs. Now it's changing a bit with things like iTunes and some of the streaming services. But you know, even the streaming services are like pennies on thousands of plays. So uh, iTunes has been has been a good venue for for sales. But yeah, we had to make that that change to people that were willing to uh, to play. And it's it's been interesting because bringing people like that on also made us more involved in their careers because they were there's always you know people looking for gigs or looking for agents or looking for showcases managers etc. And Grit and I have been around long enough that you, you after a while you start making connections with people and you say well we should try calling so and so and see if they can help these people out. So in that sense, we've become a little more holistic as a as an organization and as a, as a label uh, in terms of what we do. You you mentioned the the change into to streaming. You know, one of the things I love about Borealis Records is is the way that when you receive something from Borealis Records, like the, there are some other labels like this too. But you know, I mean, it's the full deal. You know, the the album is is very nicely packaged, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anything's ever gone out without a lyric booklet or liner notes. No, we try um, not to. You know, that the, you know, the, the yeah. whole package is delivered. Right. And uh, in a world where things are changing, mm -hmm. um, it actually is kind of nice to, to be receiving something like that. But also I realize that more and more people are consuming their music, you know, through streaming or, you know... In, Right. I, I'm starting to say the old days about iTunes, yeah. you know, going to iTunes yeah. and buying tracks. People are not even doing as much of that anymore. It, well, it's true. Uh, and uh, one of the changes that we've made because of it is is we probably don't press as many copies on an initial pressing, unless all of a sudden, you know, things start changing. But we based, uh, we based what we send out to, to media and to radio people essentially was based on the fact that I had worked in radio and I, I knew what I wanted to see and <laughs> somebody sent something to me, you know, like, this is what really works, you know, lyrics are really good. And, and certainly, uh, you know, having now met hundreds of DJs, um, everybody has reflected that back at me and saying, yeah, we really appreciate getting the lyrics. We really appreciate the, the liner notes, etc., because it helps you program. Right, and it's just uh, it's it's a simple simple sort of thing. So so yeah, we haven't we certainly haven't stopped that. I, what we have stopped doing is is uh, we have we're not pressing quite as many as, as we might have, unless you know unless a group or a band is out there doing a lot of gigs. In which which case, we usually what we do uh, is I don't know if anybody's interested in this, but usually what we do is we press more of the paper parts than we do the actual packaged finished product so that if we need to press more then the cardboard part is already done right. that printing is already done and then it's easy because stamping cds is just they just go really fast so it's always the other stuff that takes longer is streaming putting a lot of pressure on i mean i wonder does it affect the number of artists that you decide you want to work with or I mean has it changed anything like that or it hasn't it hasn't changed who we want to work with no who we want to work with are, are people who who are making really good music in our opinion uh, and uh, and 
because it's folk music, you know, I mean, we we sort of don't take anybody on, on the label. We're looking for people that have got a bit of that folk ethos. You know, what is this all about anyway, you know? And so whether there, there's a there's some feeling of tradition in, involved with their music or whether it's just good, honest songwriting, uh, we usually sort of uh, make final decisions after we've met and heard people play and, and you, you finally get down to to the question of like, do I want to work with this person? You know, I like their music. Do I like them? Do they like us? You know, does this feel like a good symbiotic relationship? And that's really what it, what it's based on. And and as long as we know that their plans are going to be out playing and not just you know sticking it in a home area, but, but really are serious about their careers and stuff. If they're serious about their careers, then we're serious about helping them out. You know. Are you able to keep all of your albums that you put out in print, or do they eventually? Um, Pretty go much, out of print? there's a, there, there's a couple there's a couple at the moment that are only available via download. Right. That can that can always change. Just it sort of depends on on demand. But there there have been a, there have been a couple where finally after a long period of time the the physical CDs ran out and uh, and there just hadn't been any demand. For the physical CD, but it's a, but we make it available as a digital copy and, and with the notes and, and etc. Yeah. Are there any artists that you wish that you had worked with that maybe you you didn't? Mm, that's a good question. Um, Dave Gunning, <laughs> and and we talked to Dave at one point, and he but he was happy to be doing it independently, you know. And all the more power to him. I've always appreciated his music a, a lot, and and I love him as a as a performer. You know, yeah. um, he's the first one that, that just pops in into mind. And uh, came close came close to doing something with Kate and Anna McGarrigle. Unfortunately, just we were just in the discussion of, of doing doing something when Kate got very ill and and died and. Uh, she was a neighbor of mine in Montreal, so and I'd known them for years. I'd I'd recorded them several times for the CBC, and they still remain some of my all-time favorite artists. I I think their art, artistry and songwriting is so undervalued. I can't believe it. But so it, it sounds like things have actually um, are going full circle. You mean you know you started off playing and touring, mm -hmm. and then you got into the CBC gig that yeah. moved you on to mm -hmm. Borealis. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. mentioned you're back producing again, mm -hmm. and and also starting to play a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I, it's funny, I, you know, music music has always been the thing that grabs me by the nose and pulls me along to whatever I've been doing over, over the years. It it always comes back to it, and and uh, and I just uh, I just can't get away from you know great music. Last night here, I heard Catherine Wheatley play some new songs that just knocked me out. You know, and I hadn't heard Catherine sing for a few years because she lives in this part of Ontario and I live in Quebec and just our paths hadn't crossed. And, uh, and she told me today, uh, she said she'd been working really hard on, on these songs. And I said, well, boy, it sure, it sure paid off because it's that kind of stuff, you know, that, that keeps you really excited and, and you go... Wow, you know, here's somebody that's really doing something, something good. You know, they're really 
come up with, with something great. So that sort of stuff always keeps you going. Yeah, you know, get yeah. excited about it. Yeah, just yeah. getting excited yeah. about something that, that, that comes along. Yeah. Sometimes it's a guitar lick on my own, you know, <laughs> or somebody somebody's song or somebody's performance. But uh, Do you yeah. have any interest in making another album? I mean, it, or is that just a time thing? Yeah, I think... Uh, uh, Sue and I've been work- Sue and I've been working on on some new material, and I I don't want to say when that's going to appear, but uh, I have a feeling something is going to materialize uh, out of it. I mean, we're we're singing it on stage now. We're doing yeah, some, doing some we're doing bit, some gigs yeah. and and yeah. as we said earlier, road testing some songs. But yeah. uh, so we'll see. I I have actually sort of the right gear at home that I can get something started from the two of us and take it to a studio and add a few players. So. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I'm, I, fingers crossed. I'd love to hear a new album. That would Thank be you. great. It's Thank been you. great to have you join us. We've got time for one more song. Uh, we're going to go back to the Red Shoes album. Mm-hmm. What are we going to play? I'm going to play a song written by our neighbors in Montreal. They're, they are our neighbors again, Dave Clark and Lucinda Choden. Uh, Dave Clark is a wonderful guitarist. Lin- Lucinda is a really good writer. And as a matter of fact, she's the editor-in-chief of the Montreal Gazette and we lost them for a few years because she went and was editor of the Victoria Times colonist and then the Edmonton Journal and now they're back in Montreal and they wrote this this uh, this song about traveling the north shore of the St. Lawrence River at this time of the year and it's called That's How the Summer Slips Away. And it's a beautiful song and a perfect way to finish this interview. Bill Garrett, I wanted to thank you for spending the time to talk to us today. This is Bill Garrett and Sue Lothrop with That's How the Summer Slips Away from their wonderful 2003 album, The Red Shoes. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio at the Folk Music Ontario Conference, and I'm Jan Hall.
Hi there, this is Moonfruits. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. Oh, the winter frost is settling in And I know the snows will soon begin Into the air the leaves are swirled The world goes round, round goes the world and the sun so slow to brighten the dawn The autumn harvest time has long since gone And in the field a scarecrow stands No crops to God, just lonely lands But we've got memories so kind and clear Gathered in warmer times to bring good cheer To fill our hearts and souls with mirthful song to keep us safe and glad all winter long And we'll sing the winter away Sing the winter away Though it may be cold and gray outside It's warm within So let's sing the winter away Sing the winter away In our hearts we'll dance and play Soon it'll be spring la, 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 la. strong and then grows stronger still and the shutters quick with every gust the storms must come as come they must but we've got memories so kind and clear gathered in warmer times to bring good cheer to fill our hearts and souls with mirthful song to keep us safe and glad all winter long and we'll sing Sing the winter away The glow of summer yet will stay If to the light we cling So let's sing the winter away Sing the winter away In our hearts we'll dance and play And soon it'll be spring So let's sing the winter away Sing 
the winter away Though it may be cold and grey outside, it's warm within So let's sing the winter away Sing the winter away In our hearts we'll dance and play And soon it'll be spring Yes, in our hearts we'll dance and play And soon, and soon it'll be spring la 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 la, la. You know the moon was a welcome sight When it rose up earlier tonight Folks looked up in the air They saw it hanging there There were howls of delight But now the moon won't go down The moon won't go down The sun can't rise There's no room in the skies The moon won't go down I met a girl with a dangerous smile She looked me over predator style Says I'll give you a try Don't get your hopes too high Cause I haven't tasted love in a while Then a girl with a broken guitar Sits down beside me at the bar She sings me a song It's five verses too long I never know when who we are And the moon won't go down can rise, no room in the skies, moon won't go down. Now are you She says I've been all around And all I've ever found Are a lot of different shades of blue Now she says it ever since she turned six She dreamed of getting out of the sticks But now that she's not there She sees walls everywhere She can use a little space in the mix And the moon won't go down There's no room in the skies Man, the moon just won't go down there
now up and down these streets I roam Just a dog nobody wants to own I'm in a strange part of town Lights are spinning round I can't remember how to get back home And the moon won't go down The moon won't go down The sun cannot rise No room in the skies The moon just won't go down There's no room in the sky You know the moon Won't go down That's the Durham County Poets with their song The Moon Won't Come Down from their latest album, Hand Me Down Blues. Before that, it's the sadly departed Robbie Smith and Kathleen Glauser, as naming the twins, with the title track from their 2018 album, Sing the Winter Away. Those are both artists recently produced by Bill Garrett. And that's all we have time for in this hour of Folk Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed our conversation you can check it out again alongside many other interviews and radio episodes on our website at folkrootsradio.com. And thanks again to all of our radio partners who help us bring Folk Roots Radio to you each week. We'll leave you with Shelley Poson, another of the artists recently produced by Bill Garrett, and a song for all the songwriters out there. From Shelley Poson's 2019 album, Ontario Moon, this is the best song ever written. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. We'll see you next time. Well, the best song ever written is the one that I just wrote. The words bring teardrops to my eyes, and I just love every note. I'm sending it to all my friends, I know that they'll agree It's the best song ever written By anybody, not just me It's got a catchy melody With a killer hook and twist And once it gets inside your head It's futile to resist It's got a beat that just won't quit Groove that's so much fun It's the best song ever written By me or anyone
best song ever written It cuts through you like a knife You'll never see things quite the same It just may change your life It's a song with everything it needs To be a mega hit The hook, the tune, the beat, the vibe I wish this song was it The hook, the tune, the beat, the vibe Lord knows this song ain't it 